Welcome to Emran's podcast, episode number 23. This is your host, Suman Silwal. So many people get so caught up in how they look and they're worried about you know, if they should be out there with runners. Visit emrans.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, and more. I'd like to welcome Alex Moore to Emran's podcast. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. How's your running going these days? It's going well. You know, sometimes you life gets in the way. <laughs> I have two small children and I run a business and you know how it works. Sometimes your running slows down a little bit and it's still going well. I'm training for 100K coming up soon, so I have to keep the miles up. I'm just not getting in a lot of quality beyond that. So talk about running. Uh, tell us about your running journey. How did you start it and what do you do now? Sure. You know, I really never had a desire to run. I played sports all the way through college and running was how we got in shape for our sport. I never con- you know, considered running to be a sport. It was always our punishment as much as anything else. And sometime along the way, it was uh, several years ago, I was working in television at the time and I was working at Channel 42 and we decided to sponsor the Vulcan Run 10K. And part of the deal was if we sponsored the race that Several of our employees would have free entry to the race, and we'd have training programs, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I got involved. It was my general manager at the time. I was vice president of marketing. I took the proposal to my general manager, and he said, here's the deal. We'll sponsor it, but I want you to run it. If you're, if we're going to do this, you have to be involved. And I thought he was crazy because uh, by that point, I'd gotten kind of chubby. I was 250 pounds. My wife you know, says I developed my management gut. But I tried, and I surely I, – I completed the 10K. It was a – tough experience, but I finished it. Over the course of two or three years, we kept sponsoring that race. And that's all I would do. I would train a little bit. I'd run the Vulcan run 10K. And then I just stopped running. And I would start again until the following fall. And as you know, if you stop and start like that, it's just always hard. At some point, somebody said, you know what, why don't you just keep training after you finish that 10K? I promise you, you'll enjoy it a lot more. So one year I did. I ran the 10K and I didn't stop and I just kept going and I just kind of escalated from there. And, uh, you know, at some point, and I think every runner has this experience, you go from that moment of I have to go run to I get to go run. It goes from being work to being something that's part of your life. And now I'm more freaked out if I don't get to go run than I have than if I, you know, th- that worry of going to run. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So that's how it started. You know, it just kind of escalated from there and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm I ran my first half marathon and it kept going. And at some point I decided I wanted to run a marathon. And, uh, you know, what everybody does, I went online, I found a training plan, I started training and I got hurt. Like most people, I think at that time it was uh, ITBS, you know, a little tibial band syndrome. So I could barely walk downstairs. I had to go to therapy. After I got better, I found a different plan online because surely it wasn't my fault that I got hurt. It was that plan's fault. <laughs> I downloaded it <laughs> and got hurt again. Uh, and that time it was actually Achilles tendonitis and it was a really, really bad case of Achilles tendonitis and I couldn't run and I couldn't do anything. And when you have been bitten by the running bug and you can't run, you kind of go stir crazy and you start surfing all the sites that sell running gear and you're looking at all these races you want to do one day. And I came across a site that talked about you can be an adult distance running coach. And I had no desire to be a running coach, but I did want to know why I kept getting hurt. And I was hoping that I could go off to the school. It was the RRCA, Road Runners Club of America. And I could find out what I was doing wrong and maybe create my plan and run a marathon. So I did. And I went off to school and I found out I was doing a lot of stuff wrong. And I came back, created my own training plan, ran my first marathon. And it's kind of been history ever since. It's, uh, I've been running long and hard ever, <laughs> ever since that day. Sounds like a great running journey. It's been fun. It's, uh, 
it's been quite the experience and it's, it's been life changing. You know, I went from being an executive in television for 20 years to being a full time running coach. You know, it, it changed my entire life, not just my health, but also my mental state. And, you know, I think I'm a lot more relaxed nowadays and I have a better home life and I enjoy, enjoy people more. It's, it changes everything. It's, it's really, truly a great sport. So you think that running has helped you to improve uh, all the quality of your life? That sounds like, is that correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, if you had met me or known me really well, you know, 15 years ago, like I said, I was out of shape. I was heavy. I was not making very good choices with food. Um, I was in a stressful job. And all of that takes a toll on you. And it, I think it ages you prematurely. And I, I got a kick out of it. You go back to your high school reunion, whether it's 20 or 30 years, and you know, you look at the folks that you graduated with, and so many of them look so much older than you because as a runner, you seem to avert some of that aging or slow down some of that aging a little bit. And it's uh, and you can see that with everybody, you know, with with your running group. If you look at everyone around you, they all look healthy and they look fit and they don't look like they're aging as fast as folks who don't stay physically active. So, yeah, it changed my whole life. Definitely. Were there any struggles? It sounds like you had a lot of struggles to be a runner that you are now. Indeed. I was, you know, initially I was hurt quite a bit because I wasn't, I never understood the twos. And you've heard that, that ruled the too much, too soon, too fast. And I just thought to get faster and run farther, you just needed to run faster and farther all the time. So I was constantly hurt. And initially I thought because you can run, you can eat anything you want to. And you can, if you're 22 years old, 23 years old, by the time you're 40 or 45, just because you went and ran 15 miles doesn't mean you can have two cheeseburgers and a shake. It, it, you still get fat. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of those things. Or the mental struggle. You know, it's initially people – one of the things I hear from a lot of our team members is how do you get up every morning and go run? And it's, it's really a psychological battle to do this day in and day out. And learning those tips and tricks and, you know, making it a habit is uh, – those are some of the struggles that everybody deals with. And But I tell people all the time, if you'll stick it out, you will get to that point where it's easier to get out of bed in the morning than you could ever possibly imagine. And the payoffs are huge. Definitely. Lately, I'm doing some double double days or triple sure. days, and it's just difficult. But once I get out, get out and start running, and it just feels wonderful. Absolutely. It's You know, you hate to sound like a cliche, but it truly is. No one ever – came back from a workout and said, well, I'm glad, I, man, I don't know why I went out and did that. As long as you'll go, you'll enjoy yourself. It's just a matter of going. So you went from a non-runner to a runner. Now your life revolves around it. And also you have very much involved here in Birmingham running community. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with the Birmingham running community? Sure. And, you know, I think, first of all, I got to say, how fantastic is the Birmingham running community? You know, we live in a state that historically and, you know, every time you look at a a new study or a new poll, Alabama always ranks as very overweight, very unhealthy, not a great place to live. Yet Birmingham, Alabama has this amazing running community. The running community here ranks as one of the top in the nation. So to have that dichotomy, you know, that that contrast between our overall state's health and our running community is, is fascinating to me. And I, and I absolutely love it. But I digress. <laughs> Those people that know me know that I don't really do anything halfway. If I get involved with something, it's all or nothing. And that's just been my nature since I was a child. So when I started getting into running, I was like, how do I immerse myself in more running? You know, if I want to get better, I need to surround myself with people who are better runners. If I want to learn about the community, I got to go to where these groups are. And I started, you know, through my TV relationship with the Vulcan Run. The Vulcan Run 10K is put on by the Birmingham Track Club. So I had a chance to meet some of those folks. 
And at the time, Brad Clay was the president of the track club, and Brad's a great guy, and he's an amazing runner himself. And we were chatting one day, and it was the resolution run that's held out at Red Mountain uh, Park. It's every January, and I showed up out there, and I'm talking to Brad, and I said, so is this a track shack run, or is this a Birmingham track club run? Because I'm not really sure, because there's no signs, there's no banners, and the only banners I do see are all the track shack tents. And Brad said, well, technically this is a Birmingham track club event, but the track shack has been such great supporters They've kind of been doing all the work on this and blah, 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 blah. And I made the mistake of saying, well, you should fire your marketing guy because this looks like a – I had no idea the Birmingham Track Club was even involved in this. And Brad, the savvy person, he just turns to me and says, aren't you in marketing? How would you like to be the marketing director of the Birmingham Track Club? And that's how I got sucked in. Now, you know, Sometimes you stick your nose where it doesn't belong and you get, <laughs> you get the backside of it is some work. So that's how I got sucked in. So I started talking to them. And at the time, the track club was about 600 members. And I ran a research project and we did some questionnaires. And we just wanted to find out what was going on with the Birmingham Track Club because it used to be a much larger club and it had been shrinking at the time. So I did this study and I presented it to the board. And again, it was Brad and a whole slew of folks. And people just didn't feel like the Birmingham Track Club was servicing the running community anymore and people were no longer renewing their memberships and new members weren't coming in. So there was a slew of things that people saw as issues with the club. When the next election came up, it was it was a fascinating situation. Nobody wanted to be president. Brad had served several terms. He was, you know, he had already put in all his workload and he was ready to step down. The VP had conflict. He couldn't move into the position. And I remember sitting at that board meeting and nobody wanted to be president. I thought, my goodness, this is quite the challenge, but it's also quite the opportunity. And everyone in the running community knows Jennifer Andrus. And I think you've already uh, interviewed Jennifer. Love Jennifer to death. And I had remembered seeing her on the cover of Runner's World. And I turned to somebody and said, don't we have, you know, a local person who is well known in the running community, who's been on the cover of Runner's World, and more importantly, who is a woman? You know, the boom, the current boom in the running world is being driven by women, not men. So I thought, how fantastic would it be if we had somebody who would be willing to work with and serve with the Birmingham Track Club, who was not only a woman, but who was well-respected and well-known. And uh, so we reached out to her. And it took a little convincing. But yeah, we convinced Jennifer to run for president of the track club. And the rest is kind of history. You know, she took over and the ball started moving in a different direction. And pretty soon we had all these new programs in place. And uh, I ended up serving as vice president for Jennifer for several years. And we started growing the club. It turned everything around. And from there, I've moved on to the president. You know, I've been president now for two years. And the excitement and momentum has been just fantastic. And you know, we, we get these emails and we get these letters from people, from BTC members who were members in 1979. You know, some of the founding folks who just say how exciting they are excited they are that uh, there's new energy and life in the club and that you know it was disappearing there for a long time but it seems to be back so that's kind of how i got into it you know it was um i just stuck my nose where i didn't belong and next thing i know i'm president five six years later just so the listeners know is uh you know to take a club that was at 600 and we're now more than 1200 members you know growing every year i mean that's fantastic and that again it speaks to the testament about how strong a running community we have here and uh I think there's strength in numbers. You know, in my last president's address in the newsletter, I talked about the power of the pack and being part of the pack, you know, empowers you to run longer and farther and uh, and do things you didn't think was possible. So the support of the Birmingham community is helping everyone, I think. Definitely. Talk about BTC, Birmingham Track Club. Can you talk about some of the highlights, some things that BTC does? Sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of different programs and I'll try to be brief because I could wax on about this for hours, but 
The first thing is, you know, we are a very affordable club. It's only $24 a year to be an individual member of the Birmingham Trek Club. That's $2 a month. For that, you get a member benefits program, which there's a slew of retailers across uh, the city that give our members discounts for their products. Um, beyond that, we we put on the Birmingham Track Club Race Series, and we have four signature races, which the which is the Adams Heart 5K, 10K, and 10 Miler in February. We also put on the Statue to Statue 15K, which is billed as the South's toughest 15K. That's in April, and it's an amazing race. Uh, I, I'm race director of the Peavine Falls race, which is on July 4th. It's become an iconic tradition. It's 35 years running. And then we finish out this year with the Vulcan Run 10K, which this year is November 5th. And, you know, the Vulcan Run 10K is so well known that people like Bill Rogers have come to run it. It's all these big names have come down to run this race. And it's, it's kind of how we cap off the year. So there's the race series. In addition, we put out the Birmingham Track Club's uh, Triple Crown Half Marathon Challenge, where we challenge our members to run three half marathons in three months. And the races cycle. They go through different ones every year. This year, the first race is the Hartzell Half Marathon on September 17th. And then it'll move into the UCP Life Without Limits Half Marathon in Florence in October. And then it culminates with the Magic City Half Marathon right here in Birmingham on November 20th. And... That has been so cool, and that program has grown so quickly. I was, we were kind of surprised at how many people got excited about this. Um, as a little offshoot here, the Hartsville Half Marathon, you know, we told them we want them to be the first race in our series. They gave our members a discount code. We shocked them. We had so many people sign up, the race sold out, which was a first for them. They've never sold out their race. So I talked to the race director, and he was kind enough to open up 50 more slots, and those 50 slots sold out. So we completely sold out the race, which is really, really kind of cool. And for the first time ever, we had to come up with a backup first race, which is the Little River Canyon Half Marathon up in uh, Fort Payne on October 8th. So for those who couldn't get into Hartsville, they'll be running Little River as their first race. So that's a big program. You know, we do a lot of socials. We have a lot of big events. Uh, we're doing a Vulcan Run preview on October 1st. We'll run from Revelator Coffee downtown, and people get to run the course and get a chance to see what the, the race will look like. We have... Big events with the Birmingham Barons where the the track club comes out and we have uh, private seating in this uh, certain area. So it gives you a chance to get to know your other members and have a lot of fun. And so we do a lot of cool things. You know, it's there's more to running than just running. It's, there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of events. And we want to make sure our members get a lot of perks along the way. Definitely. I think you, you forgot to mention two things, Saturday morning runs as well as the 1,200-mile club. Sure. Oh, and trust me, there's a lot more than just those two things. But uh, we'll touch on those. The Saturday morning long runs have become a staple in Birmingham, Alabama. And this has been a goal of ours for quite some time. And our current uh, long run coordinator, Monica Henley, has been doing a fantastic job. On any given Saturday, you can come out to our long run and there can be upwards of 200 people there. It just depends on the time of year. And we provide all the routes. We provide all the water stops. So if you are new to Birmingham, you can show up there and we're going to make sure that you have somebody to run with at the correct pace who knows where they're going so you don't get lost. You know, we focus on, for instance, Mercedes. That will be a big race for us and we provide all the training for it. We partner with the track check on that. And uh, you get to November, December, and the crowds are huge and it's so fun to watch. And, you know, I take pride as president when we send people off on their way. And people stream off for five minutes. The group is that big that there's that many people running. Then I'm also very excited about Mark Criswell, who is our Birmingham Track Club moderate distance group. And he's done a phenomenal job with that. You know, the long run group is anything from 8 to 20 miles. So it's those bigger runs. But there's a whole segment of our club that doesn't need that kind of mileage, who never runs that far. And we charged Mark with coming up with a group 
that starts a little bit later in the morning. They start at 630. And they run anywhere from two to seven miles on any given Saturday. And what started off was with Mark and two or three people is now 15 or 20 people every Saturday. And we expect to see that continue to grow, which is really exciting. Because, um, again, we all, especially someone like you who is an ultra runner, we all just naturally think everybody runs long. And <laughs> they don't. A lot of people are thrilled with four miles. And they think that's a big day. There used to be the day I, was, I used to be excited about four miles. I mean, sometimes I still do, but... Sure. You know, it's now you're like, I don't even know if I want to put on my clothes for three miles. I mean, why even bother? So <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing how your mindset changes. And then you touched on the 1200 mile club, which is another fantastic program. I can't take credit for creating it. It was created a long time ago. The concept was, you know, how do you encourage people to run at least 100 miles a month, 25 miles a week? What could be that incentive? And the program that was uh, devised was the 1200 mile club. And it's probably one of our most popular programs. Uh, we have hundreds of people who participate. If you can complete the 1,200-mile challenge, you earn yourself a 1,200-mile club jacket, which is a really nice jacket. I, I, in the wintertime, you see them all over the place, and that's so cool. And then every subsequent year that you run it and complete the challenge, you get a patch, which can be sewn onto your jacket. So you can actually have a sleeve full of these chevron patches. And then for every five years in a row you complete, you also receive this medallion, which is really kind of nice as well. It's that little motivation. People, sometimes they just need that extra push out the door. It cracks me up because every December, I always like looking at the folks who are right on that cusp. They might have, you know, 1,050 miles or 1,100 miles. And you'll see these people running around the track at 10 o'clock at night, just trying to get in a couple extra miles because they're so close to their 1,200 miles. So it's exciting. I, I love the fact that people get so excited about it. And uh, again, it's a, it's a really nice jacket. I, I wear mine all the time. And it's, I think that's one of the draws is that it's not some cheap throwaway jacket. It's a really quality jacket. And you get to wear it with a badge of honor. I think I just completed my this year's 1,200 mile. But I remember early in, in those days when I started, just started running, 1,200 mile used to be very far away. So Sure. It seemed that you didn't think you could even contemplate that big a number. No. Um, and I remember getting close and missing it one year. You know, I had like 1,009 or 1,010 miles and thinking, man, how am I going to get 200 more miles in a year? <laughs> and now you're hitting those, you know, I, I hit 1,200 usually by June or July. And it's, uh, it's amazing how that changes and how your life changes. Definitely. Changing our topic just a little bit. You started a business called Resolute Running. Can you talk a little bit about Resolute Running? Sure. I needed to explain how I got there, I guess would be the easiest way. So I told you I was working in television, and I'd gone off and got my RRCA certification, which stands for Roadrunners Club of America, and they're kind of the governing body on running clubs, and then they provide coaching certifications and insurance for events, and on and on and on. So I came back, and I built my first marathon plan, as I had stated, and I finished, and it, I didn't set the world on fire. I think I ran like a 404 or 405 or something like that. Nothing, nothing huge, but I finished, and I wasn't hurt. I was very excited. So I didn't stop learning, though. I kept getting more certifications. I got certified through, you know, uh, the Jack Daniels VDOT program, and I, and I kept learning as much as like USATF certifications, on and on and on. And I kept modifying, and I kept testing, and I kept doing different things, and I was fascinated with the training side of all of this. You know, there's so much science, and there's so much of an art to running that there's no one-size-fits-all, one number one. So I kept experimenting. So I would take a little bit of what Hansen said, and I'd take a little bit of what Daniel said, and I'd take a little bit of what Lydiard said, and then I would say, well, but here's what I say. And so I kind of molded this formula into my head, and I started practicing. And pretty soon, you know, within a year, that 404 had turned into a 308, my marathon time. And my friends were like, well, whoa, 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 what, what are you doing here? I mean, how is that possible? How did you knock off an hour in less than a year? So I was like, well, you know what, I'll help you out. So 
Suman comes up to me and says, hey, would you help me? I'm like, you know what? You're my buddy. We drink beer every weekend. Of course I will. And I wasn't charging anything for this kind of stuff. And I was just doing it because I really enjoyed doing it. Well, pretty soon you had a fantastic race. And pretty soon you got even faster. And then pretty soon your friends were asking you how you did it and you were telling them about me. And then I had random folks I didn't know start approaching me about building them run plans. And that's when I started getting into a, well, I don't really do this. This isn't what I do for a living. And I work a job that's very demanding. I'm working 50 or 60 hours a week as it is, so I don't really need to be doing this. And they were they were very persistent, though. And they said, well, what if I paid you? Well, okay, but what do I charge for a run plan? Um, so I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll build you a run plan, but I want $20. And everyone said, oh, absolutely, and which just told me I didn't charge enough because I said yes immediately. So I started doing that, and I just kind of on the side, I was – dabbling in this and pretty soon I've got 20 or 30 people I was working with and building run plans for and, and we were all training together and and thankfully my wife who is a much smarter person than me said hey you need to make a decision you are working 50 hours a week at the tv station you're coming home and spending another 20 hours a week working on these run plans you're running all the time with these folks thankfully we're in a position where you don't have to keep your job at the tv station but you should make a decision you want to do this full-time do it or if you want to stay in tv do it but the way it's working is not going to keep working. And I said, yeah, whatever. This is just fine. But again, she was smarter than me and I didn't realize that until I'm an old dad. I had my first child when I was 40. And when Wyatt was born, I remember the first six months of his life, I never saw him awake. I mean, I'd go to work and he would be asleep. I'd come home from work and he'd be asleep. So I never saw him. And that just kind of really didn't sit well with me. You know, it's I wanted to be a, you know, a little more involved in his life even at that age. So that was the catalyst that said, you know what? Take a look at the numbers. See if you can actually make a career of being a coach. And then can you do this full time? And I could. And I started thinking, this is fantastic. There's an opportunity here. But I wanted to do more than just be a run coach. You know, and, I, and it, on my website, it, it lists this out. I watched a documentary. It was talking about Abdi Abdurman, who is a, an elite uh, marathoner for the U.S. And it was a day in the life. You know, kind of one of those deals where it shows you he gets up at 5 a.m. and he goes off and does his stuff. And it follows him all day long. Well, an elite runner... I mean, he's eating lunch, breakfast, dinner. All his food is food that's provided under the guidelines of a sports nutritionist or a dietitian. And then all of his running is provided by his run coach. And then he'd come back and he'd actually have a massage from a sports massage therapist. And then he'd have cross training to help his running through a personal trainer. And as he got closer to the race day, he was meeting with sports psychologists to talk about, you know, what's going through your head as you get ready for the race to perform the best you possibly can. And I thought, how cool is that? How cool would it be if all of us could have access to all of that? What could we accomplish? But when you start running the numbers, it's just not feasible. It just is just not feasible. And I couldn't get my head around it until my second child was born. Audrey, they were very close together. They're only 17 months apart. So when she was born, my wife had to have a C-section. And I remember getting the bill from Blue Cross Blue Shield and looking at it. And I'm going to – I'm guessing – I don't remember what the actual numbers were. But I remember thinking $17,000 for a C-section. Holy cow. And then I look at what I owed. I owed $300. How in the world is that possible? I mean, and you just, you start looking at the numbers thinking, that's just insane. But then it dawned on me. They are able to do that because of the number of people in the program. So they're spreading that cost across the entire Blue Cross Blue Shield world, which means when my wife has a C-section, I only pay $300, even though it costs 17000 So fast forward, I took that concept and applied it to Resolute Running. What if I could provide every athlete access to a sports psychologist sports nutritionists, personal trainers, run coach, massage therapist, the whole shebang. What if you get all of that but get it at a price that everybody could afford? And I knew that if I had X amount of runners in the program, I could make it affordable, just like I was, just like insurance works. I hope all that makes sense. 
so it was a little bit of a leap of faith. I was a little nervous at first. I was like, oh my goodness, can I, can we reach that many runners to make this work? But we were going to give it a try. So I found a facility in Birmingham that I took lease over. We spent three months completely renovating the place and then we opened our doors and you know, it was, we started off with very little. I had my runners who I was already working with as my base. And I thought it would take me about, I can't remember the projections. I think it was 16 months to reach capacity. And, you know, capacity is every coach at my center is only allowed to work with so many runners because we believe in individualized attention. And if I have one coach working with 75 runners, well, they don't know those 75 runners well enough to make them great athletes. So everybody has a limit. You know, they only are allowed to work with so many. So Ann Thomas and I were uh, the first two run coaches there, and I thought it would take us about 16 months to reach capacity. We did it in four months. Holy crap, we're at four months. We're at capacity. So what do you do? So I brought in another coach. We were at capacity again within three months, and we just we just kind of boomed. And we're now three years in on the training center. I've been coaching for about seven, uh, but the training center has been open for about three, and we're we have, including me, eight run coaches you know, personal trainers, massage therapists on staff. We work with sports psychologists. So, I mean, we have everything we've talked about and we're right at capacity again. So thankfully there was a market for what we provided in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, the idea of become a great runner, go run is kind of long gone. You know, you have to do more than run to be a great runner. So that's kind of where we got there. So I, I created this business and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, my dad always said, if you want to help yourself, help others. And I never really listened to him. And But he's right. Helping others has been so rewarding. And helping them achieve their goals makes me feel so good that you often forget about your goals because you're helping them. So it, it's been it's been a really, really rewarding experience. And I think it's made me a better person being able to do this. Sounds like a great journey as well. I mean, you have done great thing for the runners and running community and uh, now it adds to with your business that's and your life revolves around it now. So Well, I appreciate that. And and here's the takeaway on that, and I mentioned my children. And this is why and you probably have it with your children too. My son refuses to wear anything but running shoes. He wants to go run every single day. He's four, but he's growing up in a world that all he sees and we don't push him, I don't encourage him to do anything. Um, but if I come in the door at seven AM and he looks at me and goes, Why aren't you wet? He's just used to be being sweaty because I go run every single morning and he gets very worried if I'm not sweaty and running, wearing running shoes. So the norm that you project to your children is what they'll grow up into. And I, and I really, you know, I don't want him sitting in front of a computer playing video games his entire childhood. I want him outside playing. And I, and I think you do that by leading by, by example. Alex, are you ready for Emron's sprint round? I'm very ready. Uh, what type of uh, shoes do you wear? For the road, I wear Adidas. For the trails, I wear Brooks. What type of GPS device do you use? I run with a Phoenix 3 heart rate monitor, Garmin. What is your fastest mile? Probably a 515, 520. I've never really raced a mile. I don't know. Maybe we need to try that. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Are you a, a trail runner, road runner, or both? I think now you become both, correct? I, I'm both. Which one do you like? Honestly, I love trail running more than road running, but I have several more goals on the road that I refuse to give up, so I'm still chasing them. Yeah, I think I, I enjoy doing both. It doesn't matter. Some days I'm, I'm a road and some days I'm trail. So Absolutely. What is your favorite race? So far, it's Berlin. I ran Berlin last fall, Berlin Marathon, and just an amazing experience. Are you a downhill racer or uphill climber? Downhill racer. What type of hydration plan do you use? On the trails, I am mostly tailwind and um, salt caps. On the road, it's goo roctane and water and Gatorade on the course. 
Do you use any training plan for yourself to train for a marathon? I think your training plan for doing 100K, do you use that? or? Yeah, I, I mean, I build my own. I don't um, follow them very often, you know, probably akin to what they say about attorneys. So if you show someone who's representing themselves, I'll show you a fool for a client. So I probably should have my own coach, and I used to, but uh, lately I've been building my own plans. What type of nutrition plan do you follow, or do you follow any? We kind of stick to a program called Body or Eating for Life, and it's it's just common sense. You you eat good food, you eat whole foods, you don't try to buy processed foods, and then you allow yourself a day to cheat. And one day a week, I eat whatever the heck I want to eat, and just it makes it easier to stick with it the other six days. Is there a race that you have not run and left to run one day? Uh, yes, I am currently chasing um, the six world major marathons. So out of the six, I've done Chicago, Boston. Berlin, and I'm still chasing New York, London, and Tokyo. Tokyo will be easy to get in. I mean, it was easy in the past, so. Right. It's, well, they, the lottery, we find out this month if I got in. Um, more than 300,000 applicants for 35,000 slots. <laughs> yeah. Pretty I was, tough. I think I have done four. I, th- I have London and, and Berlin, I think those two. Gotcha. Nice. Well, make sure you apply for the Abbott's World Ma- Marathon Majors medal once you complete them all. That's a very unique medal, and there are only 300 people I've actually done all six, so you'll be in a elite club. Yeah, we have one from Birmingham, so. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, David Kahn. Absolutely. Before we conclude our interview, can you give a word, word of advice to a beginner runner who wants to run and be a runner like you in five to ten years from now? Sure. You know, the first thing is you just have to start and don't be embarrassed. You, so many people get so caught up in how they look and they're worried about you know, if they should be out there with runners, forget all of that. Do it for yourself. Just get out there. And I don't paint a rosy picture. There's going to be times when it's hard. I'm not going to say it's always going to be easy. What I am going to say is, and I promise you, if you'll stick with it, the payoff is so rewarding and you will feel so good about yourself that it'll all be worth it. That sounds like great advice. Before we leave, can you uh, tell our listener how they can join the BTC? If you'll just go to the easiest ways online, go to BirminghamTrackClub.com. On the left-hand menu, you'll see a, a button that says Join Now. Simply click that button. It'll walk you through the process. Again, it's only $24. It's the best $24 you're ever going to spend. The return is well beyond that $24. Now, if you're someone who doesn't like to use your credit card online, I fully get that. There's also a downloadable application that you can download, and you can fill out, and then you can submit a check to the address on the sheet. But, yeah, come out and join the BTC. There's 1,200 runners out there that want to be your friends. Thanks for your time, Alex, and we'll see you somewhere on the road or trail. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure chatting with you.